Welcome to episode number 144 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This show is brought to you by Fan Booster by Traject, which is the world's most complete social media management tool. And it's my tool of choice when it comes to scheduling, managing, and especially reporting on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free by clicking the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. I'm super excited to talk to today's guest. I met her in person at an event back when we could do such a thing. And Sarah is a conversion copywriter, and she's one of those people who is very grounded and magnetic and has definitely a a very specific approach to copywriting, which we'll get to in this episode. Um, She talks all about translating the thoughts and stories of others into meaningful insights that fuel empathy-based marketing and communication for her clients. So in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about voice of customer marketing. So we'll get into those questions. But I do want to remind you that this month in the school, we're talking all about how to create the right habits for social media, which is so important to fuel this kind of conversation. So if you want to get a little sample of what the school is like, definitely check out our free course, onlinedrea.com slash free where you can get some of the foundational framework that we teach in the school that will help you build a social media strategy that works for you. Uh, With that, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you. I love meeting people in person, even though I'm an introvert, because I feel like it's just way powerful than meeting someone online anyway. So I like that we've had that history. But I want to talk a little bit about your history. How did you get into copywriting in the first place? Yeah. um, I mean, the short version is that I was working for a tourism agency in the Finger Lakes of New York State. And um, because of the nature of that business, I worked with a ton of small businesses in the area to help promote them to the people that were visiting. Um, And throughout that, I was doing these lunch and learns for the business owners on social media, on blogging, on email marketing, which back in 2011 was like a really novel idea. So once I started doing that, they started asking if they could hire me to write for them. And it was suddenly this light bulb moment of, I can build a business writing for other businesses. Um, So I took that and ran with it. It took about six months to get off the ground. Um, But I, I started right after I got married in October of 2013. I left my job, started my business and um, have really niched down over the years, but really started off kind of writing everything and now really specialize in more of the sales type copy that really drives people to take an action. And that's usually focused around sales pages and and email sequences. I feel like the challenge with selling in this online space is that it's very easy to be like kind of scammy. And I feel like we've all had that moment where we bought something and it wasn't quite like as good as the sales page. (laughs) You know what I mean? So how do you tow that line? That's a great question. And actually, you know, when I say I'm a conversion copywriter, I often have that feeling of, oh, somebody's going to think I'm like a smarmy marketer. And I'm like one of those people bringing all the tactics that are really false and fake into into marketing. And I go the opposite direction with it. When I talk about conversion copywriting, I'm talking about any copy that's driving action. So sometimes that's transactional and sometimes it's, hey, come to my free webinar or sign up for my email list or um, engage with me on Instagram. Those types of actions are all conversion based. Um, So when I come into it, you know, I'm coming from that angle of, we just want to take people to the next best action 
And it's all about knowing what that next best action is for your people so that you're coming at it from a genuine place. Um, and we can talk a lot more about how to figure out where that comes from. But yes, we've all been, we've all fallen prey to to the smarmy marketers. And usually it takes a couple of tries before we can really recognize it and stay away from it. Oh, yes. I definitely swore off Facebook ads for a while because I bought something and I was like, this is awful. But lately, I've just been you know, doing a little bit more research and I've actually bought some really nice things from Facebook ads and they really know me sometimes. So you know, <laughs> yes. it's not all bad. <laughs> um, so let, let's talk a little bit about this, this voice of customer marketing. Stra- like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. So 80% of my process as a conversion copywriter really comes down to voice of customer research. And what I mean by that is getting out there and talking and listening to your customers, whether that is through surveys or phone interviews or having conversations in Facebook groups and DMs. Um, It's anywhere where you can have those one-to-one or one-to-many conversations with the people that you are actively engaging with so that You are learning how they talk about what you offer, how they talk about the problems that they're experiencing, what questions they have and how they ask them. Um, That, again, is 80% of my process because I'm trying to tune into where people are starting from and how they talk and then bring that into the copy because that's what people are going to connect with. They're going to connect with the business owner who knows how they think, knows how they talk where they have that feeling of it's not just getting to the sales page and saying, wow, that persuasion really worked. It's more while they're in my head because that's how I think. And that's how I talk. Yes. I love that. Um, this person sees me moment or I feel seen because you're using their words. So what are the best places to go for this? I know you mentioned, um, Facebook groups and things like that, but where do we go find Like, especially for new businesses, how do we know where to look? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a great breakdown of if you have an existing audience, there are always people within that audience you can talk to. You can send those email space to people that have signed up for your email list and been engaged for a bit or have bought a product or a course or are part of your membership. If you don't have an existing audience, that's when social media is a phenomenal place to turn to or forums like Reddit, um, because that's where people are hanging out and you can kind of be the the lurker, the lingerer in the conversation, seeing how they're talking about it without you ever asking a question or influencing it. Um, so whenever somebody's like, where do I start? I don't have an audience. I always recommend going to any Facebook groups that are applicable to what you offer or what problems you're solving, or just thinking about the type of you really do want to serve. Where are they hanging out? Um, And even beyond social media, you know, for me, it's always Facebook groups or um, Instagram is like my place (laughs) in the social media realm. So I'm always going to Instagram. But a place like Reddit, like I said, a place like Amazon, if you're going, if you know what kinds of books your people read, going to the book reviews on Amazon. This is something that Joanna Weeb at Copy Hackers really popularized. She calls it Amazon review mining. Going to like the three and four star reviews of books that are popular amongst your target audience and seeing what they said they really appreciated about the book, what was missing. Even those insights can give you ideas for how they talk about what they're looking for. I love that. I love looking at Amazon reviews and the bad reviews too, like the one stars where people go, this is what was lacking. This is what I wished was in this book, um, which can also be very helpful for that. So as we're, we're doing this sort of research for ourselves, how do we really identify what a good 
kind of voice of customer statement is and what a not so great one is. Because I feel like there's a million people on the internet. Everyone has an opinion. They're not all great. So how do we know which one's good and which one's just somebody like mouthing off or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. A big part of voice of customer is knowing what to take and leaving the rest. <laughs> so that's, that's your question directly plays into that. So often, you know, I always recommend that people go into their research with a goal. So, you know, that could be, I want to find out why my people aren't buying. I'm going to ask that question of, Hey, what's the number one thing that stopped you from buying my X, Y, Z product. Um, and then, Hey, what else weighed into that? You're going to get insights into there. And there's going to be some things where People are going to shoot their mouth off and they're going to share feedback that has nothing to do with how you positioned your offer or what your offer is. That's the stuff you leave, right? You take the things that you can control and that you can respond to. And that's for something you know as specific as why didn't you buy? If you're going out and looking for feedback about why people, you know, what the problem is that they're experiencing that your, your offer might solve, um, it's really delineating between we know we can't be all things to all people. So you're going to go out and you're going to see people talk about problems in a million different ways. It's recognizing who is the person that I actually want to be serving. How is that person talking about the problem or the situation that they're experiencing that's causing them to seek out some sort of solution? Again, you're going to have people where you cannot solve their problems or you don't want to be solving their problems. So no, having a really firm idea of who you want to be serving is really crucial to going into the voice of customer and then being able to say, this applies, this doesn't. I can speak to this. I can't speak to that. I'm going to take this. I will leave that. Yes. So my next question is all about storing this data. And in my brain, I'm like, this would be a really long Google Doc. So is that what you do? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you store it, sort it? I know it's a bit technical, but that's kind of where yeah. my brain went with this. <laughs> no, that's a great question. So I used to, you know, when I send out a survey, it's usually through something like Typeform or Google Docs, where it easily exports into a Google spreadsheet. Um, and I used to just use that. And now I refer to that as the raw data. Like I'm going to have all of that. If I want to go back and siphon through all of that, I can. But usually when I get something like that in or I'm going through, you know, even if I'm pulling from Reddit or Facebook groups or something, I'm usually pulling that into a spreadsheet and categorizing it. I will highlight it for, hey, this speaks to a pain point. This speaks to a hesitation they're experiencing. This speaks to, um, you know, their ideal outcomes. And then I, I'm a Notion nerd. I love Notion. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but I use it for everything. So I've started building Notion databases for my clients and for myself. Um, because within a Notion database, you can easily filter that based on, hey, I need all of the voice of customer that comes up around pain points or around solutions. I tag it for, hey, this would make for a great headline so that when I'm going and I'm writing a headline for a Facebook ad or a subject line for an email, I can just filter that based on headlines and pull from there. Um, so over time, I've refined how I store it. But at first, it was one very long Google Doc. <laughs> I love the organization behind it. I feel like I personally would still keep a long Google Doc. I've heard great things about Notion as well. I've got some clients who use it. Um, maybe even pull it into my Airtable base. My, my brain is definitely working around this idea. So how can our listeners and viewers kind of take this data and apply it to social media? What are some of the kind of ways you see this useful beyond, you know, our marketing messages and sales and emails? 
Yeah. So I love that, you know, your topic this month is all about mindful social media marketing. Um, Because the first thing I think that voice of customer can really clarify for people is where your audience is starting from. So are they starting from a place where they just know that they have an issue, but they don't really know yet how they want to solve it? Or are they starting from the place of, I know that these solutions exist and now I'm researching which one is the best for me. And the reason that's so important is because it can inform how you actually use your social media presence. Is your social media presence there to nurture people at that problem aware state where they just know they have an issue and you're just, you're speaking to that. You're empathizing with them at that point. You're meeting them at that place where you say, I see you. I know what this feels like because I've heard this from you. Or are they at that solution aware state? And that's when they're looking you up on different social media platforms. Well, then your message is a little different. You can speak more about your offer, your product, whatever it is that you're selling, because they're ready to hear it. But you have to have that idea before you go into it of where am I meeting people? Because if, if somebody's coming to you know my Instagram account and I don't use my Instagram account to sell, I use it more as a community building tool. But if I'm very much selling on Instagram, I don't think that would go over well with my people because they're usually just there to get a feel for who I am and what I'm all about. But if I knew that they were at that point of, I'm ready to hire a copywriter and I'm going to this Instagram to make this decision, then my my Instagram account would look a lot different. So that's one way that it can really weigh into making the decision of how do I want to use social media in my business to start? And then again, it's driving how you, how you talk to people on those platforms. All those little micro copy moments of what's in your Instagram bio, what's in your, how are you getting people to click from one slide to the next in in your stories? Um, Again, I speak mostly to Instagram because that's what I know best, but same with Facebook ads. Um, You know, it it really drives the, the copy when you know exactly where you're meeting people. Yes, I love that. And I think sometimes our nature as business owners is to go straight to like, everyone's looking for a solution, right? Like the end of that conversation where it's like, okay, if you're ready to buy, here's here's why you should buy. Where most people I would argue on social media are not there. They're either just meeting you, getting to know you, or they're they're just in the middle where they're like, I know you offer this thing, but I, I'm not ready for it or it's not suited for me now. So I think that that can be so important to have those conversations and meeting people where they are. Now, you mentioned that you're on Instagram, but I know you don't spend a lot of time on social media. Tell us about yeah. this. <laughs> this is something that I've kind of struggled with. Um, you know, d- just that internal battle of how do I want to use social media over the years? And um, I've put a lot of pressure on myself to say I should be using this in a different way for business. Until about six to 12 months ago, I looked at it and I said, you know what? My business is really mostly referral based, which I'm very fortunate for what people use my social media for is to say, Hey, I heard about Sarah from this person. I've already checked out her website. Most people hit my website first. Maybe they've signed up for my email list. So they're already, they already have some kind of exposure to me. They're going to Instagram to kind of reinforce what they think they already know. So I, you know, that just took a lot of pressure off of me of saying, okay, I can just show up how, you know, bring myself to my Instagram account as opposed to using it as a selling tool. Now, then what happened is I backed off even further because I became really, really entrenched in this idea of digital minimalism, um, both from reading Cal Newport, watching certain documentaries that I'm sure we've all heard of, 
Um, and it just became a place of why am I here? Is it because I feel like I need to be, or I should be, or am I truly using this from a place of enjoyment? Um, and I know this is something that you've talked about. And I think social media, it's something that you can enjoy. You show up to it in such a better capacity than when you feel like it's something you should be doing. And for a while, I felt like I needed to be on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and really using all of these platforms to their fullest. When, when I tried to do that, I was doing absolutely nothing well. So it was really for me a pullback of where do I want to be? What do I enjoy? And now how can I use this in a way that makes sense? Yes, I love that. I read Cal Newport's book as well. Um, and I find the, the exploration fascinating. And I don't think enough people even consider that question. What, like, what use does this have in my life? And actually I created a meditation. So I'll link it in the show notes and in the description that walks you through helping you decide how do you feel about the things that you see on social media? Is it enriching your life or is it taking away from it? Um, we have a whole new invented word called doom scrolling. Why do we all know what that is without even describing <laughs> it? It's because we we have like this collective experience of like scrolling on social media with no point or purpose. Um, and so I love that you've really identified what that means for you. So I'm curious now that you're really focused on this digital minimalism concept and you've really identified Instagram as your platform, what does your time look like on that platform? Well, right now, honestly, it is mostly me consuming content. Um, but that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how I want to show up. But right now, my main goal, and this is, you know, something I preach through all of my work is connection. So the way I'm showing up on Instagram right now isn't that I'm super active in posting, but I am watching lives and taking in stories and going to people's grids so that I can reach out to them and just have conversations and connect with them in different ways. And that's been the best use of it for me at this moment, while I'm taking the pressure off to actually generate content and put it out there. Um, I think social media is a phenomenal tool for connection, especially right now when we are all lacking connection in so many ways, but it's it's coming at it from that place of how does this serve me? And at what point have I hit that peak where it's not serving me and I need to, I need to pull back a little bit? Yes. I love this. I actually was coaching a student in the school on this who was feeling like almost this like content generating machine and she's an extroverted person. She likes conversation. She was like, I wish I could just respond to people's stories all day. I was like, well then do that and see if it serves you better. You don't have to post. What if you only posted one time a week or one time a month? What would that look like? And you built connections with people and your business was still growing. What would that look like? And I think there's so many people telling us what we should be doing and what social media should look like, but it really comes down to figuring out how it works for you and serves your business instead of getting swept up in the details. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that, you know, we're constantly learning. So yes. Oh yes. Constantly. Uh, okay. So I want to talk more about how people can work with you. And I know you have an email sequence that really goes deeper into this concept of waste of customers. So can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah. So the biggest, um, you know, the biggest question I get about voice of customers, where do I start? So I put together, it's a pretty simple streamlined five day email sequence, and you can find it at sarahfrandina.com forward slash savvy social. Um, just to give you the que- the best questions to start with, how to identify your goals and what you're really looking for so that you can start building that of customer data bank to pull from. Again, because Voice of customer can inform everything from your Instagram bio to your email subject lines to the copy on a sales page. Um, So it can be really versatile, but it's really about knowing where to get started. I love that. And I'm putting that link in the show notes. And then obviously, we're going to follow you on Instagram. (laughs) That's where you'll find me. And again, I don't post a lot, but I will certainly interact with your posts. I love that. So put your link to Insta in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was great. And for those of you listening, if you want to support the show even further, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how we've been able to stay in the top 100 marketing podcasts of the year in both the US and Canada and now in Australia and the UK. That's because of your support and your listenership. So leave us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. Next week, 145, I am talking about reporting metrics. Big question I get a lot of times. We just revamped our whole training in the school. So I'm going to bring to you my favorite way of teaching this concept here on the podcast. So join me next week for that. Until then, bye for now.